0: Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at FearscapeMedia.com.
1: Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time.
2: There are phenomena that exist all around us. Around us. Kids, Kids playing above playing something and above,
0: something, something and unknown flies over and disappears. People driving, driving at around. night, seeing see huge, huge creatures, creatures cross the road. But people waking enough, up to find their cabinet doors rip, ripped, or ripped open in your kitchen.
2: Things Strange happen things every happen every world. day
0: around and the world see- and seemingly at the same time and age are these occurrences
2: connected connected.
0: this This is is what we are are here here to explore explore and are trying to understand join us on our journey join us on our journey to to uncover what we call the convergence enigma Enigma. welcome ladies and gentlemen to the convergence enigma with josh and stefan here on the unx network thank you guys so much for tuning in And dropping by just to visit me, your host, Stefan Gearhart. But don't worry, folks, I am joined, as you will always see, by my co host, who's not a ghost, but his name is Josh
2: Rutledge. What is happening, sir? Man, it's fantastic. Also, I'd like to point out that I'm your co-host, but I'm Build First in our in our little little name there for You are us, for you us.
0: are, but you know, <laughs> they save the best for last, plus the caboose is the most fun.
2: <laughs> well, the caboose is the most fun, you're right. It um, is, it is. Anyways. Fantastic show for tonight.
0: We are very excited to be here on the UnX Network. Big shout out to Ray Sobs. We love you, man. And uh, for all you guys tuning in for the first time, uh, this is the Convergence Enigma. Josh and I, we love to talk about all things paranormal, from cryptids to ghosts to UFOs to conspiracy to hollow earth to whatever is clever. Is your mother a lizard alien? Is she a reptilian, right? That's what we want to know. And we want to know how... It all comes together. How does all this 40 and nonsense come together and possibly be from or kind of the same thing? I don't know. But no. that's the enigma Josh and I are trying to figure out. We are so happy you guys are here to tag along and uh, figure this out with us, man. That's that's yep. what I'm talking about. Uh, so tonight... Uh, for our first episode here on the UnX Network, you can still check out all of our old episodes on theconvergenceenigma.com. Uh, from we've been doing this a long time, but for tonight, we got a very special topic. We're going to be talking about on record the longest poltergeist to have happened on record uh, 12 years, Josh, 12 years long. This happened.
2: Do they give it do they give out Guinness Book World Records for poltergeist activity? Like, uh, I feel like somebody should claim this.
0: They they probably should. And I don't know. Uh, it's been a long time since I, it was Scholastic Book Day at school and I got the Guinness Book of World <laughs> Records. So I'm not sure, but we'll have to check that out. But we are going to be talking about the Battersea Poltergeist. Uh, this happened. Uh, in a little Victorian house in Battersea, London. Um, this thing is nuts. Like I said, 12 years mm-hmm. was this a menace But I guess what we're going to be asking is was it a poltergeist or was it an alien in camouflage? <laughs> That's what That's I right. want to know. That's right. That's what I want to know. Uh, but before we get to our topic, we're going to do as we usually do and uh, get to a few segments of the night. And the first one, Josh, that we have here tonight is Psychic Word of the Week. And now uh, the psychic word of the we Psychic word of the week, Josh, comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary by June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey buns. We miss you and we never even knew you Um I what we usually do here is we have this big old dictionary, this encyclopedic psychic dictionary from the 1980s that was given to me by a renowned psychic who passed away. Um not June G. Bletzer. Uh, and anyways, I love this book and we flip through it without looking and we just stop at a random point and we pick a word and we talk about it so we let the gods speak for us so tonight i landed josh on page 566 and uh the phrase that i landed on was called skin writing okay. now i still take a pen and just draw on myself all the time so is that i don't what this think is? i don't think that's what this is nor is and it just be a tattoo at yeah. that point i mean yeah um, well, mine would be an impermanent tattoo or temporary if you're a layman. Um, but here's what skin writing says, uh, to produce a psychic message written in words or pictures. On one's skin while in a trance state of consciousness, performed by an etheric world intelligence, stays on the skin for a few minutes or hours, just long enough for others to see and record the message. Diminishes before the medium returns to the normal state of consciousness. Occurs with no pain when written or disappearing. Willed and desire controlled. Do not confuse this with a stigmata. Do not. Uh, it's also called dermography. So, so I got was, a feeling, yeah, this is like when you could, you could, like, you could scratch a name, like, and you would have well, the redness come up, and it would spell yeah. something. Like it would be similar to that, but no one actually scratching.
2: Well, so I was going to ask, you know, if this is like the Roland Doe case where you know he had all those words and things kind of show up on his chest, that's, that's not really a stigmata because the stigmata is like that, you know, the cross, with the yeah, circle, that's,
0: that's a Christian, like it, just like yeah. getting the, the wounds of Christ. But right. yeah, I would say so though, if I remember correctly, Roland Doe's injuries hurt um, June suggests yeah. here that this particular thing doesn't hurt, but uh, I feel like there's some wiggle room there.
2: Also um, could be the difference between a willing participant versus, you know, somebody who's not really accepting the writing of the words on their body, so.
0: Right, I, for example, when you get a tattoo, if you move around and jerk your yeah. all over, it's gonna mess things up, it's gonna hurt even more so, um, anything like that, or getting a shot, right? So kids yeah. or some adults, um, you know, are getting shots and they're screaming and crying and it's like, it's yep. worse than it needed to be. So yeah, yep. maybe, maybe it's along those lines. So shut know. up, Roland Doe, it didn't hurt.
2: No, it probably did. It
0: probably did hurt. <laughs> I wonder, so I, you know how um, a few weeks ago, uh, back when we were still Fearscape Paranormal Podcast, we covered that the 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 boy who who is Roland Doe, um, you know, they found out who he really was, the boy that inspired The Exorcist, yep. and he was a NASA engineer and all that. Um, I wonder if he had scars left over on his chest and stuff from that.
2: I mean, very possible. And I, I would say that, most likely scars from that age would have just appeared as like dark spotches on the skin, but you know, he, he may have known the, the, that they were scars from that, you know, time period in his life versus, you know, I don't think like, I don't think they were scars that looked like words and, and letters, I, you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: needless to say the dude always wore a shirt when he went swimming. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So probably uh, or they were like, you got scatheys, bro, um, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, But anyways, Josh, that is our phrase for the week is skin writing, not to be confused with a tattoo. Uh, So let's go ahead and get to our next segment uh, before we get into our topic, the Battersea Poltergeist, which this week is going to be a UAP sighting of the week. All right, Josh, UAP UFO sighting of the week. What do we got and where's it come from?
2: Yeah, so this was posted um, just a few days ago on themufon.com, Uh only available to members. Uh, so, you know, if you're not a member, check it out because it's a really cool database to look at. But it was actually an event that happened back in 1982 on November 1st in Wells, Nevada. Ooh, so
0: nice. This side of the yeah. state's where I'm at
2: uh it says
1: i was about 11 on a mule deer hunting trip outside wells nevada with my dad brother and three family friends we camped off the road next to a stream at the base of a mountain in a clearing surrounded by scattered trees on the evening of the sighting it was already pitch dark and i was sitting on a log next to a campfire that we had built there wasn't much air movement as the smoke from the fire slowly moved upward through the trees. My dad and brother were also sitting around the fire nearby to my left. The evening was quiet, cold, without a cloud in the sky, and you could hear sound of the gentle stream and bugs making noises as they flew by. Suddenly, I noticed my arms and torso were suddenly very bright, and the area around me was lit up bright. I looked at my brother and father to my left, who looked a little perplexed as we tried to figure out why I was illuminated. About 30 seconds passed as I shook my arms and stared at my chest and my thighs. I stood up, my dad and brother stood up, and we looked up at a bright beam of light that was shining down through the smoke and was focused on me, nobody else. We stood back from the fire and spoke to get a better look at what was shining the light on me. When we looked up, there was a massive silent aircraft hovering at our camp, about 300 feet in the air. The craft itself was also estimated to be about 300 feet in length. The bright light that was coming from the front of the craft, and as we struggled to process what we were seeing, we were scared. The light followed me. After we started moving around, the light moved upward through the trees and up the mountain. The craft remained hovered over our camp for about another 60 seconds. The craft was well-defined, made no noise, and had non-flashing red, orange, and white colored lights around the edges, distanced apart. As a child, I described it as shaped like an amoeba. The craft was cone-shaped with round vertices, no windows, black in color, and it blocked out the stars allowing for me to identify the shape. My dad and other father freaked out. They and we were terrified. They actually ran to get their hunting rifles from their truck and were going to fire shots at it. My eyes were fixated on the craft the whole time. During the commotion, the craft started to slowly move over the top of us, no noise, with the bright light in the front aimed up at the mountain. Started to move a little faster and accelerated from over the top of us in an instant and was gone over the top of the mountain at a speed I can't explain the commotion. The commotion in camp remained as we tried to process what it was we had seen. It was not a plane, a helicopter, or a blimp. It was massive, hovered, and was silent. The following day, we drove to Wells, Nevada, and my dad and other father met with the sheriff to file a report. To we all were asked to draw a picture and explain the account. We were all taken individually into a room to give our accounts. It was, not it was reported to us by the sheriff that we all drew the same picture and gave the same account of events. Up to this point in my life, I have only told the story to close family and friends. It has remained clearly engraved in my mind since the event. It doesn't scare me anymore, but I felt that my account should be heard. oh
0: man that reminds me a lot and in a lot of ways of the travis walton experience like yeah. what the other guys experienced you
2: know yeah i mean it, it really i mean it and i don't mean to to diminish uh this person's experience but it does sound a lot like similar experiences that people report and um you know it, it's interesting that you know whenever someone has um uh, you know this kind of goes back to a T versus abductee, right? So this mm-hmm. person is, is potentially a, a contactee. Um, and then, you know, just the, seeing it, having the light interact, um, you know, kind of being singled out amongst the group that was on the ground. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a very personal experience
0: it's intense man that's for sure uh you know and it's just interesting the the red white and and orange lights you know yep. very interesting cutting up through the trees i mean it almost uh, before you described you know the shape and size of it i would have thought it sounded like a will-o'-the-wisp or a fae yep. um but the size of it and then just this this cone-shaped idea you know i'm like immediately in my head was like it's a diffuser flying through the air <laughs> yeah um but where, where did you find this at so this is on MUFON. Wow, man, such good yeah. stuff on MUFON. Um, yeah, you guys, if you become a member at MUFON, you can check their database, which we love to do. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, But anyways, yeah, that's our UAP UFO sighting of the week, Josh. Thank you for that again. But uh, let's go ahead and get into our topic this week, Josh, which is the Battersea poltergeist. And let's see um, how weird this thing really is on more than one aspect of the paranormal.
2: Yeah, so um, like you said, this is coming to us, or, or this happened in uh, Battersea, London, which is um, if you think about the the big river that kind of runs through, you know, the middle of London. The, th- this the is, Thames. The Thames. Uh, this the is Thames. on the south, the south side of that. Um, so, uh, is where Battersea is located, and you know, it's just a like you said, it's just a smaller, uh, kind of semi-detached house is where. Uh, People lived, uh, you know, in this and it was the the interesting here that the address is 63 Wycliffe, which, you know, if you listen to us for a while, you'll see that I pick up on a lot of numbers, some you know, things and 63, if you add them together is nine, which is a significant number for some reason. So, um, but we have here the Hitchings family, um, which was a multi-generational family living underneath the same roof. Uh, we have uh, the father Wally, uh, his wife Kitty, their daughter Shirley. Then we have a grandmother named Ethel, who is a, who is described as a fiery character, known locally <laughs> as Old Mother Hitchings.
0: <laughs>
2: I bet she was fun.
0: Oh, I love fiery English ladies, man! They are <laughs> the best, dude.
2: Uh, her adopted son, uh, his name was John. Uh, and then, and then, like I said, uh, Shirley and, and, and all of this really started in, in centers around Shirley, you know, Shirley was, it says, you know, she about 15 years old. She was about to start art school and actually worked as a seamstress in, in a local township there. In late January, 1956, Shirley discovered an ornate silver key on her pillowcase that didn't fit any lock in the house. Like she didn't. Just- her- she just found this. She just, yeah. It says, I'm not sure if she was sleeping and woke to it or came home to find it there. But, um, you know, just a, you know, just a, an, or, an ornate silver key laying on her pillowcase. Now, I mean, I've had experiences where, you know, my grandmother, my grandmother's house that was a farmhouse that was built in the 1800s. Um, you know, it was haunted. I, I, and I've had times where I would come home from work and found a, a child's book placed on my pillow um and there was i was actually staying in the room of a child who died when he was 10 years old
0: oh i remember those yeah yeah I
2: yeah those. so i mean any, anytime that happened like i just sat down and i read the book aloud i'm thinking you know this this kid just wants me to read the book so i did um but yeah, so i mean i have I, I can relate to this experience of kind of coming home or or waking up or whatever and finding this kind of out of place object. Well, just the old
0: ornate key reminds me of Joe Hill's show and comic book lock and key. That whole thing's about ornate keys and stuff.
2: (laughs) Also, I was going to say
0: real quick, Josh, that Battersea itself, I don't have the address of the house, but Battersea itself, like the center of the Battersea neighborhood is about two miles southwest as the crow flies from Buckingham Palace on the other side of the river. So show you how close this is so this was definitely a well-to-do area
2: yeah at some point well to do sorry for any any of our uh our english listeners i i apologize so sorry um, john yep (laughs) (laughs) so that very same night uh noises began which were reminiscent reminiscent of the blitz now they're talking about you know the the, the Mm -hmm. blitzkrieg right from world war two the bombing um the you know with deafening bangs that were reverberating through the house shaking the walls floor and furniture god and this was what year um 1956 so man we're
0: we're not even 15 years
2: well we're we're around 15 we're like 11 years probably since the blitz uh, since ve day so well i just meant since the blitz like you know so like people are still there's a lot of ptsd happening so for sure um, it says that the sounds were so loud that the neighbors complained. It, it, Shirley, uh, again, that's the daughter, later reflected that the sounds were coming from the roots of the house. Hmm. The noises escalated and continued for weeks with a new scratching sound within the furniture.
0: There we go. I was waiting for another classic poltergeist yeah. thing because, you know, uh, things just being misplaced or put in places. And now the scratching. Ooh, that's the one I've heard a lot. And well, the just gets the
2: thing there. that gets me here is that it's it's the terminology used is within the furniture. So it's not, it's not like scratching of the furniture. It's like, it's coming from within. I just, yeah, I, know. I know. And I hate myself because my first thought is it's a
0: poltergeist though. It's probably a rat, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: It's like, yeah. yeah.
0: Y'all need a cat
2: like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you need. Um, but uh, so then this this tormented, you know, the sleep deprived. You know, they were already, you know, this had been going on for weeks. And so they're already sleep deprived. And they added in the scratching sound. Right. Um, neither the police nor surveyors could find uh, where the noises came from. Uh, and various photographer, uh, photographers and reporters were left unsettled upon visiting the house. The theory, the theory that the noises were being caused by a supernatural presence, a poltergeist, therefore emerged, and the family decided to name the mysterious entity Donald. Okay, okay. They just picked a name. Popular
0: name at the time, Donald Duck. Right. In.
2: You know, could have gone with Daffy, but...
0: no. Nah donald donald gets angry back then don daffy yeah. was
2: still daffy like right <laughs> he yeah. was bouncing all over the place he wasn't angry yet so um so multiple witnesses claimed to have seen bedsheets flying off beds uh slippers walking around on their own clocks floating through the air um Pots and pans being thrown across rooms and chairs moving around the house.
0: See, that's why I'm like, why why are you still there? Like, if I, I mean, I'm just telling you right now, Josh, I don't care how poor I am or well-to-do or whatever. If I see a clock just float across the room, because it doesn't feel like it's just like, You know, the the floor is a little off angle and it fell and it, it, you know, went a little like, you know, slid across the floor like a foot or two or whatever. No, this is floating across the room. My how time flies. Right. It's like, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm done. But people just stick around. And that's what I don't understand. And now I know the British are a lot more reserved,
2: (laughs) you know, and chin up and all that, you know. But you also don't know you know what they're i mean you've got a multi-generational family living in a house so you know money is probably tight and all that kind of i mean you just don't right and
0: what's that that british quote, whatever something something carry on um that that is always
2: you mean the thing that that uh arose during blitzkrieg yeah keep calm and carry on keep
0: calm and carry on yeah so it's like that became a part of that culture so yeah i guess but i mean like even even the enfield or um yeah the enfield haunting they were like no we gonna stay it's fine (laughs)
2: <laughs> It'll go away eventually, It'll right?
1: Go away. <laughs>
2: um. So it, it seems though that Donald was actually fixated on Shirley. Again, she's the youngest uh, child in the house at fifteen years of age. Okay, so another um,
0: classic poltergeist, move right. To
2: and, you know, you know. And, it, and it's it's often theorized, right, that it's um, uh, women or all teens uh, going through puberty which causes right the the poltergeist to appear or to to manifest but um the noises actually followed her to work and uh, would occur around her wherever she was most significantly says shirley herself witnessed involuntary moving in her bed like she was laying in her bed and saw something moving the sheets in her bed. Oh no! Um, and, the, and around the room. Um, this was also seen by various family members and neighbors. Um, at this point, her association with the poltergeist had caused her to lose her job and friends. And many believed her to be possessed by the devil.
0: Of course. Yeah, I was waiting for that to happen, too. You know, the sheets thing, you know, that's a, some of my story. Some of the things that happened to me was seeing things moving around the sheets or sheets being pulled down over me where I couldn't move and, and things like yeah. that. And I could see them taut. So,
2: um, you know, it says here that from around March 1956 onwards, the Higgins family began to draw press attention. Um, photographers lingered outside the house. Uh, Newspapers reported that the poltergeist was romantically obsessed with Shirley. Uh, Many believed that the poltergeist was a figment of her imagination and that she was purposefully stirring up the story for attention because that's what every 15 year old
0: wants. Yeah. I I always, that one, (laughs) dude, that one ticks me off more than, you know, you know how I am. That yeah. people are doing it for attention or doing it for fame or all those things. And just the absolute hell that people go through to me is, no, I just, I can't, I can't buy that. Maybe later on, it became about money once money crossed their palms. Maybe it was perpetuated and continued on. Sure, I could buy that. But all the stuff that happens before.
2: Yeah. No. Just, I mean, that, that's a pretty long, it's it's a long game with no Reward. You know, yeah, with no guarantee of a reward either. I mean, it's, you know, you think about grifters and, and people like that. I mean, um, you know, they they've thought about how they're going to be rewarded. So, you know, I just don't I just don't see that happening here.
0: No, me neither.
2: Um. So eventually the Daily Mail uh, got in touch and Shirley was invited to the head office uh, where she was strip searched to ensure that she wasn't hiding anything. Um, the paper published a sensational account on the story which attracted widespread attention. Um, an attempt was made by the BBC to contact Donald on primetime TV.
1: Uh, yeah, and it we says, definitely
0: don't That stuff does. I don't know. I don't know if it's because we have so many outlets now for entertainment that that kind of stuff just doesn't happen like that on the main mainstream,
2: you know. But I don't. I don't know. Well, it's also uh, for me the times that I have seen um, national or even local news take an interest in a quote unquote haunting. And and cover that on the news station as a part of like a segment in an attempt to catch something in the action. Mm -hmm. They're never expecting to catch anything. It's just a it's just a ploy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. So, I mean, I don't I don't think the people who did that at the BBC, like actually intended on actually catching anything. And in all actuality, um, you know, what we don't really know is did they catch something and decide not to air it?
0: Right. Well, and I mean, we have seen so many hoaxes now since the fifties, right. That now news just won't touch it unless it's Halloween.
2: Well, I mean, that's, yeah. Um, You know, we've talked about that with a number of our guests over the last two years about how um, the number of fakes that exists um, really makes us just question everything we need in, in, you know, that a lot of this stuff, unless it happens to you individually, to the point where you just can't explain it away. That's the only time it really changed your mind. Right. So. Um, so in 19, also in 1956, paranormal investigator Harold Chib Chibet. I'm probably saying, probably Wait, saying his last name. Is it Chib wrong. Chibet or just Chibet? It, no, it's, <laughs> it's got in single quotes, Chib. He was known by Chib. Oh, okay. but his last <laughs> his name was his last name was Chibet, but he was known by Chip. Uh, and I'm probably saying the last name wrong because it's got a double T, so it could be like Chibet, but there's you no think, accent. You think, so I don't, do you think he
0: liked fish and chips?
2: I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he was a tax inspector by day and a paranormal enthusiast by night. So that's Bruce, Bruce Wayne's second cousin, I think. Right. Right. Um, so he was well-known and connected, uh, counting author Arthur Conan Doyle, psychic researcher Harry Price, and science fiction writer Arthur C. Clark as friends.
0: Hmm, that,
2: now that's cool. He probably did their taxes. <laughs> Get out of here. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but apparently this case became one of the biggest of his life. And his extensive records demonstrate that he authentically believed in the Battersea poltergeist. Uh, he spent days and nights recording events at the house, and eventually became a close family friend of the Hitchens. Uh, he did. He did also write a book about the case, uh, which was never published. That's unfortunate.
0: That is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, even in researching this, we were hard pressed to find information. Yeah, yeah of course there's that BBC podcast that's out there um, and right. that's full of wonderful information. And I'm like, where'd y'all get y'all's information from, but they're in <laughs> they're England. The, so well, they're, they're there, they can, they're there. They,
2: can, they can go talk to people. And, and
0: they're you know, at the BBC. So they have all the old news right, records exactly. too. But
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, our, uh, our friend, uh, Walter Bosley uh, who has this publishing company or even Olaf Phillips, you know they should reach out to to this to this guy or his or his survivorship family and see if they would be willing to publish his book.
0: That's a great idea.
2: So, um, and if man, you are this dude, if you
0: if you've ever seen a picture of Chib, dude, he looks like if you were to merge Win, uh, uh, Winston Churchill and Franklin D. Roosevelt together into one mega person, that's what <laughs> Chib looks like. He looks like a combo of the two.
2: I mean. Well, I'm I'm honestly not surprised. I mean, I didn't find a picture of him in my research, but I, that fits the name, I think. Yeah. So
0: I, I found a picture of him. So I'll, I'll send it to you, Josh, just for you personally.
2: Just for me. Yeah. Um, hit me with the pics. So
0: yeah, I'm sending you pics, <laughs>
2: homie. Woo! Um, so as time went on, uh, Donald's behavior became increasingly violent. Um, rooms were supposedly found trashed. Spontaneous fires would apparently break out uh, One which was so severe that it hospitalized Wally and again, that's Shirley's dad um, Interesting here Writing of symbols uh, Writing symbols of crosses and fleur-de-lis became, uh, Began appearing on the walls
0: hmm, Interesting combination Though technically they're kind of the same thing
2: Yeah um, Exorcisms were attempted Course. And the police would check up on the house from time to time, and somehow Donald even circulated Christmas cards.
0: <laughs> Are you serious? I'm
2: dead serious.
0: Man, it was a different time in the '50s for ghosts. <laughs> they were so polite, besides well, starting
2: pyro fire it's, stuff. It's because stamps were a lot cheaper back then.
0: This is true. They were doing their part for the war effort, even though yeah. it was after, because he probably died in the blitz, whoever Donald was.
2: So we're getting there. Uh, give me uh, 37 seconds, and I'll tell you who Donald <laughs> was. Uh, it's said that the family learned um, to communicate with the Poltergeist initially by using alphabet cards and through tapping a certain number of times to mean yes or no. Um and then in 19 in, in march 1956 through written correspondence addressed to shirley which said shirley i come um, from march 1956 donald left notes around the house ordering the family to do such things as dress shirley in courtly clothes and contact the famous actor jeremy spencer
0: yeah jeremy spencer you know how i know who that is no because I don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, you I, thought I I thought had you were going to surprise
2: me. I thought you were going to surprise I thought you all knew each other.
0: <laughs> all all the actors, yeah, all we the all the actors. Know, from yeah. through time, we all yeah. know each
2: other. Yep, you just there's like a there's like a Rolodex somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um in a handwritten letter dating um, in, again, in nineteen fifty six, it seems like even though this happened for twelve years, all the information is from nineteen fifty six. But um, <clears throat> identified him, Donald identified himself as Louis Charles, the short lived Louis the Seventeenth. He was born Louis Charles, Duke of Normandy, on the twenty seventh of March, seventeen eighty five, and he died June eighth, seventeen ninety five wait so just, a minute
0: how did we find this out again
2: he wrote a letter oh that's right He's to they were communicating where he said this so um, of France obviously with, um, he was rumored to have escaped captivity during the French Revolution I'm from France <laughs> uh, but later was identified that he uh, died a prisoner at about age 10 hmm. um so Donald, or at this point, we call him Louis, uh, used a number <laughs> right. of elaborate French phrases in his letter and claimed that he had drowned en route to exile in England. His story, however fascinating, was often changing and contradictory, though. Um, so apparently uh, Louis had a... Infatuation with actor Jeremy Spencer. I mean, I looked. I mean, what? Well, yeah, uh, I looked I'm, him up. He's a I, he's a pretty handsome guy. I do. He kind of looks like it looks like a young Elvis.
0: I was actually gonna say a young Don Knotts.
2: So, oh. Well, I, when I first saw the picture, I thought. A well, I think it's just because of this
0: one picture from a movie that he's in. Um, okay. But yeah, I do recognize him now that I see him. I'm like, yeah, I've seen him in a couple of movies. He did some movies with Marilyn Monroe and Lawrence Olivier and some things like that. He was always kind of like a side, side oh, player.
2: So you do know him then?
0: Well, yeah, you know his dad knew my dad. <laughs> yes, yeah, actor.
2: What's the whole actors' creed? Right, that's what it. Something like that.
0: Yeah, we have a we have a big club. It's yep. like the skulls. But but yeah. for actors, so it's instead
2: you all stand around and hold Macbeth skulls instead. Yeah, so it
0: mm-hmm. and it's yeah. it's it's from Hamlet, not Macbeth.
2: Right, whatever. And it's Horatio Shakespearean skull. <laughs> people. See, I knew a... I
0: knew Bill Shakespeare too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyways. Um, also, if if that actor uh, uh, skulls thing doesn't exist, somebody needs to start that. Like that needs to be a thing. Oh, there Anyways. I just can't tell you. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Um, but uh, so Louie demanded that Shirley meet Spencer where he threatened he would cause Spencer harm. Um, extraordinarily, Spencer suffered a non-fatal car accident shortly after.
0: So now, now, hold on. So Donald Louie here had an infatuation with the hickson girl first and then
2: moved his 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 love language over to jeremy i think it's both well i think it's both um he he's uh, if i interpret this to be correctly i think he's somewhat attached somehow to shirley but then he has an infatuation with Jeremy. jeremy And, it, you know, and look in, in looking this kind of objectively, you've got a young, uh, handsome um, uh, actor like and me. and then you've got a 15 year old girl. Um, you like know, it's you. It's, it's you know, it's possible that someone can make the argument that she's she's infatuated with Jeremy Spencer and using Donald as now this excuse. I agree
0: with. Now, let me ask you this, because we haven't um discussed much more of the timeline but is this still within the first year so she's still 15 at this point yeah so
2: unclear it's it still says over the course of 1956 so we haven't left 1956 yet okay um and honestly the the information that i was able to find on it there's a there's a pretty significant gap like my next date that jumps from here is 1965 um, it says in 1965, Shirley married and left her parents' house, uh, by which time Louis's presence was waning. Uh, in 1967, she left London altogether, and by 1968, it appeared that Donald had finally gone for good. Um, okay. There are many who propose scientific explanations. Scientific uh, for the sh- for the strange goings uh some point to the noises coming from the house being located an, near an uneasy marshland is that like the london equivalent of swamp gas that oh, would not
0: swamp gas but yeah yes yeah, swamp.
2: swamp swamp land i guess yeah. so um while others have suggested that acid in the soil could have led to madness Whew. I mean, uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's not. I, I mean, it was massively polluted at that time. Right. I mean,
2: Plus, I mean, you just came through World War II, right? Yeah. Who knows what all's kind of left behind in the soil and. I
0: mean, they would have those uh, and now I'm getting my historical information from the show The Crown, uh, but they would have those (laughs) fogs that would last and sit, but it would collect all of like that pollution and everything like that. And it was poisoning people. It was literally this was a real thing that happened in in London at the time was this fog that lasted for like a week and people were getting poisoned because it was grabbing all the pollutants and everything in the air.
2: Well, you know, just, you know, not uh, what. I guess about uh, 40 years prior to this happening, you also had World War One, mm-hmm. which saw some of the worst use of chemical weapons, you know, seen in war. I mean, you've war. got
0: the Korean War, you know, around this time.
2: Well, but that didn't take place in, in England.
0: I don't think World War One did either. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. You weren't there.
2: <laughs> okay, <Stephen>. <laughs> <laughs> Um. Anyways... Uh, others point to Shirley being a starry-eyed but ultimately bored teenager who lived a rather sheltered life and may have manufactured Donald and drawn others in as a means of attracting attention to herself and making demands that would work to her advantage. Now, on this one, I would say that if you remember a few minutes ago, I said that you know, uh, family, friends, and neighbors saw things moving around the room, saw house slippers walking down mm-hmm. hallways by themselves. I mean, how would surely a 15 year old girl have done all those things unless she was also, you know, telekine- telekinetic or whatever. So.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Cause that, that's where you got to start asking the questions, right? You know, was this a spirit? Was this just her? And if it was her, Holy crap, how did she get these powers? Right. So right. then we've got a a, a psychically gifted person who has no control, no training, no wherewithal to handle this, which is a whole completely another, uh, excuse me, another psychic phenomenon that here we are converging these things possibly together. Or or did she attract a spirit with that power?
2: Right. right? Yeah. Was it feeding off of her or, or potentially even, um, uh, causing it to, to kind of lash out, if you will, to things around her. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, it does say here that over the 12-year course of the haunting, some three to 4,000 written messages were delivered to the family from Donald, uh, with a staggering 60 messages being left per day at the height of the case. Now, handwriting experts have analyzed the letters and concluded that they were almost certainly written by Shirley. Almost certainly that's called an oxymoron my friends (laughs) kind of like military intelligence don't call me Shirley (laughs) Um, so uh, the actual house itself was demolished in the late 1960s and never replaced so it's unclear as to you know how profound the impacts of the events would have stayed around for anybody else being there um, you know, and, and really the, the case remains unsolved, uh, to this day. So I think I mentioned in the beginning that, uh, I have some convergences to speak of, if you will.
0: Sure. So, but I just want to wrap up real quick. So most of the action happened that first year and then
2: it was just, the, so it was like keep it, it was, keeping it going. It was like once they figured out how to converse, then they just basically became pen pals. So if you want to think of it almost like he was like, hey, I'm here, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And then they figured out how to listen to him. And then things kind of calmed down a little bit. Yeah.
0: I mean, it is kind of odd that, you know, fires were happening and all these things. And then, yeah, Yeah. I got you. I got you.
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's... (sighs) I could see, you know, we talk about, we have talked about before how spirits, um, act out sometimes, you know, to, uh, get your attention because they want you to know that they're there. Yeah. And, um, you know, this may have been a stubborn family <laughs> that, right. that, that didn't really want to acknowledge necessarily that this person was there and needed something. Um, so you know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't either, man.
2: And also, I mean, it's a potentially it's a ten year old, you know, ten year old when they when they pass spirit. So, um, who knows what kind of uh, baggage they're carrying around in the other realm? So, yeah. Um, but you know, we we've talked about it when we did the uh, when we covered the infield haunting. Um, you know, I, I looked around and I found that. Not, you know, too far across the, in the same vicinity, there was a UFO sighting that occurred, um, just a couple of weeks prior to the to when the infield haunting began. You know, uh, so I went ahead and looked at um, UFO activity that happened uh, around London in the uh, the time preceding the starting of the events, and then the time immediately following. Um, and so I did find some stuff in, in Bexley Heath, London, which is in, uh, the London borough of Bexley, which is about an hour away, uh, by car. I mean, it mileage, it doesn't look to be that far away, maybe, um, you know, 50 miles or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty much along the same kind of, uh, longitude, latitude, latitudinal line. And, um. On the 17th of July, 1955, on King Harold's Way in Bexley Heath, a 30-foot-wide saucer-shaped object was seen to hover a few feet above a street in broad daylight by Margaret Fry, aged 13, and her doctor on a very hot cloudless day. Hmm. Uh, car engines nearby to the object stalled. It was seen by around 30 people and made a humming noise and landed at the junction of Ashbourne Road and Whitfield Road. It hovered over Bendenwell Primary School uh, for around um, one minute, and then it finally shot off into the sky. Interesting enough, another UFO had landed a few streets away at the same time And a similar object had been seen in Bexley Heath in 1952. So that was three years prior. Um, You may also remember that when we covered uh, the Rendlesham Forest incident, Mm -hmm. I mentioned that that was not the first incident that had happened in the area. I do remember that, yeah. Um, That there was the Bentwaters case. Right. Well, the Bentwaters case happened in August 1956. So in the same year. Wow. And only a few months separation. Uh, and one, one could argue, you know, because this because the poltergeist lasted for 12 years, it was still going on when this UFO case happened in Bentwaters. Uh, and since we know that all most of the activity, most of the strong activity was also in 1956, you could argue that the strongest poltergeist activity was also during one of the largest UFO sightings in the area. So I won't go with too much of that one other than to say that, you know, they scrambled some jets and they were able to track the UFOs and see them perform some series of maneuvers. Um, no, does. no big
0: deal. Nothing. No, no big deal.
2: Yeah, nothing to see here. Move but along. This move is along.
0: happening at the same time that a potential poltergeist, which I am, again, a little more apt to believe the first year of things than a little yeah. further on. I mean, yeah, I, I think things you just... If you're seeking attention, sometimes the attention comes from a real place, right? Because yeah. um, no one's believing you, but then you get that attention, so you keep it going on. But yeah. that first year, here we are. We've got the same like UFO thing happening.
2: And then um, just one month later in uh, Cleethorpes, uh England, along the coast... Uh, in September 1956, a large, spherical, glass-like, 80-foot diameter object was seen over the Forps coast for over an hour. And also seen on radar from RAF Manby. RAF planes approached the object, and it flew off. Wow. So, you know, we, we I, I have theorized uh, with other guests on the call and with you And we've talked about it before that, you know, when, if these, if we accept the possibility that some of these crafts may be interdimensional, as it's been suggested, that in the process of passing between the dimensional lines, between whatever the dimension they're coming from to our dimension, that that may open some sort of a doorway or a window. You know, John Keel often referred to them as windows where these things would happen. And while that window is open Other things can come through We get Sasquatch sightings We get poltergeist activity And then once the UFO sightings Kind of drop off a little bit Those windows close And that other related activity Drops off a little bit So It's very interesting to think about it that way Yeah
0: For sure
2: Were there any Sasquatch sightings? You know I looked, and you know what? I actually i i can't find other like. There's not a lot of Sasquatch sightings in, in like in the UK.
0: Yeah, and there are some, but yeah, I've, I've been there, hard but to, to find them as well.
2: And I and I wondered if it was because uh, there's not as much like like forested area there, or you know, it's more kind of like rolling hills and things, or it's a it's a much obviously ge- geography geographically it's a much smaller area than the united states so we just get more opportunity maybe for things to happen from a sheer landmass perspective so. yeah yeah
0: i don't know i mean you know uh during uh 1955 was the famous peter mcnabb loch ness monster photograph yeah. uh, as well as the Dinsdale film in 1960 so you know they didn't have Bigfoot but they had Nessie uh, up yeah. north
2: I mean they have cryptids right they yeah. have you know they've got hellhounds and other things out there so they have cryptids of sorts so they just don't have Sasquatch like it's not
0: well, it not didn't have to be Sasquatch but yeah, I've, I've yeah. that.
2: but I mean I, I also wonder if they have things that would be described as Sasquatch it's just never been labeled Sasquatch you know um, yeah. never been labeled Bigfoot or Sasquatch it's called something else yeah, I don't know the-
0: like like Boris Johnson.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we <call it> Sasquatch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, very interesting indeed. And, you know, one of the things that I really want to do is sit down and plot um, some of these early sighting records. Uh, you know, we talked about it with somebody else uh, on the show not too long ago about how you know, go back before there were, before there was Starlink, right. And really look at a lot of UFO sightings before Starlink. Cause so many things get confused with Starlink these days. You know, anytime yeah. I look on a MUFON.com for a sighting report and I see, you know, a, a, a line of 15 UFOs moved across the sky. I'm like, that's probably Star.
0: <sighs> I know. I know. I do it as well. Um, and, and it's almost frustrating To hear the joy and excitement in in people's videos of oh my god, grab the kids! Yeah, there's a a, just a fleet of UFOs. I'm like, at this point, we're years into just starving and and well, I mean, all that you should know.
2: I mean, I I think though that UFOs are like sand people and they travel in single file to have their (laughs) (laughs) comfort. you know and then there's
0: that you know there's that theory that there were satellites in outer space long before we ever told anybody that there were satellites in outer yeah. space that you know the government had put them up there but they were so secretive no one knew about them and that some of those earlier ufo sightings were just the satellites that were up there um
2: yeah i mean i you know a light high in the sky i i would argue yes but like the sighting when i just talked about where you know, a, a craft came and landed in the intersection of yeah. the street nobody's confusing that with a satellite
0: so. yeah when a blue police box just lands in the middle of the street <laughs> and a guy with a big scarf comes out and you know shakes your hand and takes you with you it, you can believe that one it's just the doctor
2: yeah yeah it's just absolutely- is, is he is he a phd or or
0: well it depends which carnation it could be both and I meant incarnation not carnation like (laughs) the flower or the milk (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no um, yeah very very interesting I love how all of this stuff just happens at the same time and I'm sure if we took an even bigger dive into just weird things happening in yep. the 50s not just in england but the rest oh, yeah. of the uk or the world um be yeah. interesting to see where this, how the stars were aligned or what was happening with the tectonic yeah. plates or any of that stuff that's you know that's the stuff i wish we had full-time jobs to do josh oh, i
2: know <laughs> just to sit there and compile all that data you know i want to i want a gigantic map on a wall with push pins like i'm missing that
0: oh yeah you know? i need some yarn Yep. Uh spun around some going to the other one. Blue ones for ghosts. Red ones, you know, for yeah. green one for alien. Like <laughs> that's what that's what I want, you know. So yeah. I don't know. Very, very interesting. Um, Again, if you want to take a deeper dive, I highly suggest the Battersea Poltergeist, the BBC podcast. Uh, It's on most streaming platforms, I believe. Um, There's a lot of uh, reenactments and dramatizations and stuff like that. It's excellent. I highly recommend it. um, If, you know, 35, 40 minutes wasn't enough (laughs) for you, because trust me, there's a lot more. Uh, That happened, you know, especially if you have the records that BBC has. Right. Um, It's very, very interesting. But yeah, Battersea Poltergeist. Thank you, Josh. So that's our show for tonight. Uh, Thank you guys so much for tuning in to uh, the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan here on the UnX Network man, uh, and the Fearscape Media Network, we are so pumped, uh, to just be a part of this and and all of that. We are just thankful. And so, I'm gonna stand up on my soapbox and say thank you to you, Josh.
2: Thank you. No, 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 no. no. Thank you to you. (laughs) Thank you for being my friend. Thank
0: you for being my
1: friend.
0: (laughs) Um, next week. Uh, we're going to be back here on the Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. We've got uh, Jason uh, Gillespie or Gillespie. I,
2: I'm not looking at a piece of paper at it's the like, moment. It's like Gulli- Gulli- A, something oh, like that. I was way off. Sorry, yeah. Jason. I hope you're not listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe he knew Louis the 17th. I don't know. Uh,
0: maybe um, he was Louis the 17th. Maybe. Um, maybe he's Donald. You don't. You don't even know, Um, but it's going to be a fun show. He has a UFO related podcast that is just mind blowing. Uh, So we're going to be, we're going to be talking to him. Um, uh, Yeah. Jason uh, Guilamente, uh, host of UAP studies podcast. Uh, Make sure you guys tune in for that next week. We are here every Wednesday on the Unex Network at 8 p.m. Since you're already here, you probably don't need to know uh, where to find us. Um, But if you do... Uh, need to know because you want to check out the rest of the site go to unxnetwork.com and uh, check out all the cool stuff that they got going on one of the things that i'm excited about josh is the x conference 2022 into the rabbit hole happening may 13th and 14th Uh, it's going to be virtually on zoom Uh, you can register right on the website that i just said Whitley Stryber is going to be speaking. Lee Spiegel, uh, Lisa Martin, Wayne Lawrence, even Margie K is going to be. It's 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 going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get tickets to the X conference, you can get them now. I recommend checking that out because it's super rad and super cool. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Uh, a reminder again, check out uh, all of our past podcasts uh, from The Convergence Enigma with Josh and Stefan. Back to When We Were Fearscape Paranormal Podcast, all of that is available on the convergenceenigma.com. Uh, you guys can check that out for links to all the stuff that we do uh, yep. and, and all the all the funsies. Um, and um, I need to put just goofy pictures of myself up there. Uh, you can follow Josh at Spocktology on all of his social media and me at the Astro Pope uh, on all of my social media. You can check us out there. And uh, I guess I guess it's time to rock and roll, Josh. Yep. Time to rock and steady, roll steady and rock steady roll uh so yeah again make sure you tune in once again i'm going to repeat it again because that's how i roll 8 p.m wednesday night eastern standard time on the unx network the new mainstream this is where it's happening this is where it is uh, other than that we usually drop it as a podcast right after so yep. if you missed out on the radio tune in you can always check it out all the like I said, the podcast is always there on the streaming networks or just the dot enigma.com so but all right josh we're gonna go ahead and get out of here uh my name has been stefan thank you guys so much for tuning in and uh just a reminder to you please keep your eyes on the skies and this has been josh the truth is now and remember folks keep searching and keep questioning good night everybody
2: good night